0: What's up guys, welcome back to the Video Creator Show where we talk about all things YouTube. In today's episode, we're gonna be talking about different YouTube channels that we either love or find fascinating that we wanted to share with you so that you can either learn something from them or who knows, maybe even you find your next favorite YouTuber in today's episode and that's the goal of today's, to really kinda of just fascinate you with these really cool channels and just different topics about YouTube. So. I'm really excited for this one today. My name's Augie. I'm here with my co-host, Grant. Let's go ahead and get right into today's episode. Let's do it. All right. So the first YouTube channel I'm going to talk about today is actually the Joe Rogan YouTube channel or the Joe Rogan podcast, right? So if you listen to these episodes that me and Grant are putting out, we talk about a certain YouTuber quite often, and that's CoffeeZilla, or at least I do. (laughs) I bring him up almost every episode. Definitely recently, yes. Yeah. So here's why I'm bringing it up, because quick background coffeezilla he is the internet detective if you try to run a scam online he's going to call you out and create a video about it he created one recently yeah he's going to get you man and it's going to be bad and he recently made a video about logan paul for a crypto scam or allegedly a crypto scam and so that came out and come to find out i'm watching these other videos logan paul's dream is to go on to joe rogan someday he's never been on the joe rogan podcast now what happened this last week and i don't know if you heard of this grant but Coffeezilla actually was invited and went on the joe rogan podcast Mm -hmm. and basically beat logan to it and got to kind of spill all the beans on a ton of a ton of different scams and stuff and just kind of his whole story too did you see that happen
1: i did yeah i listened to the whole episode actually the whole entire
0: audio version
1: uh Yeah, audio, video. I, I kind of just like left it on in the background. And so it's not like I retained the whole three hours, but I, <laughs> I listened to it. And I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, Coffeezilla usurping Logan Paul. It's pretty juicy, but um, I, I don't want to steal your thunder here. Keep it going.
0: Yeah, so I guess my next question is, do you think that that happened for a reason? Was that a shot that Joe Rogan was taking at Logan Paul? Because he know, he's had to have heard that he wants to go on the show. Or do you think it was just a coincidence?
1: I think it was a coincidence. I, my understanding of Joe Rogan, and you know, I've listened to a lot of episodes, is he isn't super calculating. I think he just has people on that he finds interesting. And like I, I don't think Joe Rogan was listening to Impulsive and was like, "Oh, the Logan Paul guy wants to be on my show, maybe." And then Coffeezilla uh, breaks with this video, um, and then he's like, "Oh, you know what? It'd be funny if I hmm. had the guy who exposed Logan Paul on before Logan Paul." Um, you know, I I feel like he like Joe Rogan doesn't really operate like that. Um, I I think it just sort of happened, but cosmically it is hilarious. And uh, I, it's uh, some karma, I suppose.
0: Yeah. It's crazy too, because coffee, Coffeezilla, I think at this point is over 2 million subs. And I mean, I've watched that guy go from zero, honestly, zero. The first time he ever popped up in my feed was an old school one way before the green screen, you know, in not a great, home studio. And, uh, I've just kind of followed along. I guess that's why I talk about him so much. Um, he's now look at him, Joe Rogan. Mm -hmm. He's on the Joe Rogan show. He's he, uh, I want to say it's been like a two year, he's been making videos longer than two years, but these last two years is just doop taken off. So there's a little inspiration for those of you out there who feel like you're not going to make it. What he did is he changed his format a little bit, kind of became a character. And started making these really epic green screen videos where he has animated backgrounds. We've spoken about this before, but that's Coffeezilla. I love that style of animated backgrounds. I'll ask you again. I think I asked in the previous one. You ever seen anybody else use that, Grant?
1: Not really. It's or it's usually like a very basic green screen. It's not a CGI background like he has. You know, the the ten million dollar studio. Um, <laughs> it, he, his is very intricate and it's it's unique for sure.
0: Yeah, so if you guys want to know a little bit more about what we're talking about, is he has a, he shoots all his stuff in front of a green screen with multi-cam. So he's got different angles. And then instead of just doing a green screen background, he actually has a computer generated, I guess you could say, a CAD design or something. And not only is it just you know a, a background, but it's also animated. So that the, the ceiling fan is spinning, you know, there's TVs on the background. Uh and he's actually whoever he uses to create these has created like a whole world with, with this, these, these designs. Yes. And so, yeah, sometimes you'll see shots of him staring out, standing at the top of a skyscraper, like the top level, looking out the window over a big city. It's really cool stuff. And I'm sure, well, I don't know if I'm sure if most people have heard it or not, but you know,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, have. it's, re- it's really interesting. I I think what's important to note is his general theme. It's kind of like a, noir old school theme, you know, guy mm-hmm. in suspenders at a button down uh, when he doesn't know what to do or he's confused about something, he'll go to the bar and then talk to the bartender and the bartender's a robot. But kind of all of this, I think, is it adds a lot, but is also peripheral, right? So the, the main thing that got him big, obviously, is kind of the, the meat of his content, mm-hmm. which is uh, exposing scammers and being a a detective, you know, a, a YouTube detective who goes around and essentially works for the little guy. You know, um, he is bringing justice to people who got scammed out of money or who were duped in some way. And pretty much all of his videos talk about this. I mean, he had a a recent video about the Silicon Valley bank collapse, um, which was really interesting. And so kind of everything he does is sort of in that vein. Uh, He's definitely uh, tangential adjacent to involved with the finance scene, the crypto scene, uh, and usually the sort of scams or shady dealings that go on around them. So he's become an expert in this space and all of the style and the backgrounds that we've talked about. I think, um, you know, he, I think he found his space and his, uh, formula and then once he had that, that's when he invested in the quote-unquote $10 million studio. Um, and that's, I, I think, a, a good way to do it, you know, sort of finding what actually works. And then once you find it, then you kind of add this layer where it, it really does add depth. And I think it's really powerful.
0: Yeah, that, it, you're right. It, it's it's all about the content first, but he's been able to add that that extra layer, which has been really cool. Made it really really good i think he upped the standard um but that's coffeezilla you guys and, and i do agree with you grant i don't think joe rogan did anything maliciously because it seems like he always tries his best to be respectful because he has some guests on there that are just kind of like way left field way out there sometimes and he's joe rogan for the most part is pretty respectful um so i don't think he would do something like that but with that said i want to bring up the next creator the next channel Bia heza Biaheza, Biaheza, I'm pretty sure it's Biaheza. It's kind of an odd name, but it's actually his name. I think it's uh, maybe a Middle Eastern name. Uh, But he creates videos about, you know, this is obviously up my alley. This is stuff that's on my homepage, right? Drop shipping, uh, which is like, you know, e-commerce selling online. Uh, You know, he makes kind of like challenge e-commerce type videos, how to grow, you know, on YouTube, how to grow following, you know, stuff like that. Online business. He's a young guy, really young guy. And the reason I'm bringing him up, and if you haven't seen any of his stuff, you should check it out. He does a really good job. And he just released a video that says, it's titled, Quitting the YouTube Hamster Wheel. Okay. So I was like, okay, this is interesting. You know, this is another creator's kind of quitting, although, you know, no one ever quits because they still, you know, but. He's going to basically go from you know uploading twice a week to or once a week to probably like once a month or once every two months, kind of the same thing that that you did, Grant. Um, mm, you know, I think I get it. Once you, yeah, once you become the OG, once you're kind of OG on there, he's just I guess stepping away a little bit. But I just want to talk about the reasons I wrote him down that he mentioned in his in his video, and I just want to bounce those off off you, Grant. Get your reaction to those, and also for our listeners, you could get another glimpse. We talk about, you know, burnout and that kind of stuff. It's it's a reoccurring topic in this whole video creator world industry, right? It's one of the main topics. So I think it's interesting to go into the mind of somebody who's doing it successfully. He's got two uh, 1.28 million subscribers. So over a million subscribers, he gets like four or five million views a month. And, you know, this is kind of in the finance, you know, online business space. So probably gets pretty good ad revenue there other ways to monetize. But uh, here's the first reason that he said that. And the, kind of the overarching theme is that he's just kind of sick of making videos for the algorithm, mm-hmm. right? That's kind of the overarching theme. But here's the first reason. Making viewer attention, grabbing content to ke- and trying to keep people watching is at this point makes him sick. It makes him sick to watch it. When he, runs a co- when he watches YouTube, he says he watches YouTube all the time, like all of us do. And anytime he sees a video where he sees a tactic being used by a creator that he knows is being used to keep the viewer watching longer, he just clicks off of it. He can't stand mm. to watch it. It makes him cringe. And so mm. creating that, he knows he has to do that in his videos. And I, I relate to this a little bit. This is one of my blockers the over I always talk about how I'm an overthinker that blocks me from creating yes. but n- but now that I'm thinking about this is kind of it too like I know I it's part of overthinking I know I need to kind of do these things and they do kind of make me cringe um so what's your reaction to that that reason mm-hmm. for quitting
1: I think it's a perfectly valid reason. I can totally relate to it. I, I, I have a lot of blocks as well because there is a pressure to do retention demon editing. Um, and I think in order to get away from it, you sometimes do just have to take a break. And I mean, you're you're laughing at the retention demon because it's a, it's a funny phrase. I heard it on a podcast once. Um, and it's so true though. There is like a sort of de- demonic vibe to it in a way where every five seconds, at least, you're doing a new cut. There's, like, this kind of fake way of talking, like, we filled an entire swimming pool with marbles. And this is what happened. And, you know, the text is, like, shoot flying up on the screen. Um, That sort of thing, I think, is the current YouTube meta. And for me, I I see this so what what – what is his name again?
0: Biaheza. Biaheza.
1: I see yeah. Biaheza as somebody who – is going through a crisis right now, he, an existential YouTube crisis where the the meta is horrible. He's probably burnt out. Um, he's uh, just tired of seeing what he's seeing. And my hope is that he will have a sort of retention arc, a return, a glorious return, where he's kind of healed, figured out the style he wants to go for. Um, and it will hopefully help change the YouTube game because I think this sort of Mr. Beast uh, retention demon style of content is starting to get old. Um, it There's something about it that is beginning to get stale and kind of worn out. And I, I think YouTube has always had these sorts of eras. And this is just another passing of an era. And I, I think, uh, Bia has a, you know, he's just sort of experiencing that on an individual level. So I, um, you know, I think ultimately this is a good thing. Um, and you know, when I say retention demon, I, I like Mr. Beast, the, I'm not necessarily hating on this type of editing. I enjoy Mr. Beast's videos. Um, but I, I think with this guy in particular, um, you know, when you're making the videos, it is kind of another level of like, disgust, you know, of being burned out with it because you have seen behind the curtain. And when you see behind the curtain, I think it's easier to get jaded than if you're just kind of a viewer. Um, if you get tired of it, you can kind of just stop watching it. Um, it doesn't like seep into your bones, you know?
0: Yeah. When you when you know when you want to make a video, you know, let's just say how to make a thousand dollars drop shipping for this guy, right? How to make a thousand dollars drop shipping? and you think to yourself as the creator, okay, to make this video, I could do a, B, or C, or I could do X, y, Z, and that's going to get way more views. I really don't want to mm. do X, y, and C, man, that is embarrassing. that's going to take a lot of time and money and just it's going to be cringy and embarrassing I, I don't want pe- my friends to see that but you just know you have to do X, Y, and Z for the algorithm, then yeah, that, that hurts, you know, and, and mm. doing that over and over again, I can see that. I think I, I want to also say one, one more thing too, about that. You'd mentioned the era, like you think this is just kind of like the, almost like a trend right now in the era. And that's a whole interesting topic in general too, because I do remember the era of challenge videos of giant gummy mm. bear, giant, uh cinnamon challenge uh you know baking this and those were smash the like button like there was that era that was that era like those challenge videos were that's when that that became a trend smash the like button abuse the like button and and (laughs) you know um and and so yeah maybe you're right grant that this era will also pass
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's only natural. I think it's a good thing overall that uh, times change. And uh, I think everybody, so that thing you said, um, in order to succeed, you have to do X, Y, Z. I think in any industry, in any era, people have said that. And then there's always people who find a way to be true to themselves in a style that is really great um, that ends up kind of breaking the mold and defining a new era. And that always has happened since the beginning of time. So I I think that phrase of like, you have to do X, Y, and Z, um, it's never really true. I think Hmm. you can. I think it's easier to get noticed um, if you're sort of following trends it's easier to be accepted it's easier to not be seen as like cringe or to be misunderstood because you're always kind of utilizing the trends of the hour right um but if you do something that's really unique i think you risk being misunderstood you miss or you risk being labeled as uh I, I just cringe or stupid or um yeah it's it's more risky but i think risk takers always end up defining new eras and that is really important
0: yeah definitely that that's what it's all about too is differentiating yourself i think in this day like that's that's more important than following the trend so all right let's go to the next one so the next one is He doesn't want to make videos over and over again that are the exact same videos, just with different titles. Can you relate to that?
1: Yes. I mean, like, for me, with Treesicle, it was kind of finding some mystery in a game and then kind of solving it. Like, why did Golden Freddy do this? Why did Springtrap do that? Uh, So in that sense, it was kind of following the same formula. It was like the same video with different titles. Um, you know, it, there were different videos, but they also weren't. So I, I think what ends up happening with a lot of YouTubers is they find something that works and they don't want to deviate too far from it. So you, you do kind of end up making just uh, copycat videos of of yourself um, because it's, you know, the, here's the thing. Making something novel and that you've never made before – It takes a lot of extra time, and it's very hard to predict how long it's going to take because you might end up spending a day working on something and then being like, I don't like it, and then you just scrap it. Um, But if you're trying to release a video every week or every however often, you can't be doing something that's too unique because (laughs) you can't predict how long it's going to take because there's too many uh, weird roads. So yes, I can relate to that.
0: Got you. Yeah. I think that's, that's kind of the thing that gets most YouTubers is you got a niche down, you got a niche down, you get into your niche and then 300 videos later, you just, you got to create the same content. It happens to so many people and that's when you got to reinvent yourself, right? That's, Mm -hmm. and I've been thinking about this too, for my basketball training channel. It's time to, it's time to get back after it, but be the coach, not the trainer, not the player, be the coach now. Uh, and share my, my wisdom there. I think I would enjoy that a lot because I'm really into coaching right now. And I think uh, it'll be a way for me to reinvent myself. Anyways, right little side note there. All right, so uh, next reason. When it comes to making money, he would rather spend his time focusing on other ways to make money other than being a YouTuber because in the end, being a YouTuber is basically giving yourself a job. Right, so he says, okay, if I if, if I'm doing this YouTube thing to make money, uh, I'd rather do something else with that time and make my money in other places because YouTube is just a job. It's, it's it doesn't end right every week, new video, you know. So, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Totally relate. I mean, I had to find other ways to make money in order to heal. I guess because YouTube did become a job, and it really sucks to. Feel like every week you have to make something creative, or or even that you're locked down. It's like you kind of lose either way, right? If you're making something cutting edge, creative every week, then you're going to be exhausted. Uh, if you're making something that is too cookie cutter that you've made a million times, then you're going to be bored and exhausted in a different way. Um, so. Yeah, finding other ways to make money for me like freelancing, doing this podcast, all, all that stuff has been really helpful for me and arguably my creativity. I mean, I, I feel like I'm sort of like over the last three years, essentially, I've been recharging my batteries um, and yeah, if when YouTube is a job. It can be awesome, but it can also be draining in a way that is kind of hard to understand unless you have kind of been in show business or something like it before.
0: Yeah, you know, year one is exciting. Year two is exciting, you know, but eventually it's not going to be as exciting. If you get into year six, you know, year five, who knows? You're not going to be the same person you were at year one. So it's not as exciting to create videos at that point. You know, eight videos a month used to be easy. Eight videos a month now is a lot because you've just kind of exercised all your creativity and stuff. So all right, the last thing I wanted to kind of bring up is, and I'll get your reaction on this, is he says that being a YouTuber is like a reverse pyramid, meaning that when you're the CEO of the company or the owner of a business, right, you're at the top of the pyramid and you're delegating everything below you. But when you're a YouTuber, it's upside down you're still the founder and you're the, you know, the CEO, but you're at the bottom now and it's, everyone's kind of delegating to you. They need you to make the video. You know, a lot of, most YouTubers are just one, one person shows anyways. So um, 99% of people are doing everything. So that was just another thing that he said he didn't like it as a business model, Um, which I get, we're talking a lot about the grind. I still believe in YouTube creating content for your business and all that kind of stuff. So don't get this twisted at all. But we're just kind of giving like the year five, right? If you're able to go to get to year five of consistency, like you're going to go through a a tough time, right? Um, From what we've seen in our personal journeys as well, both of us. So uh, anyways, that's a little side note as well. But what's your reaction?
1: I guess so the reverse pyramid I feel like it depends how you structure your YouTube channel. I think um, a lot of times that can be true. It seems like the way he has set things up, um, his channel is structured like a reverse pyramid where he is kind of being delegated to. He's wearing like a thousand hats Mm -hmm. um, and it's exhausting for him. Whereas I feel like ideally... Um, and he might, again, this I think is involved with reinventing yourself. It's not just about style. It's also about the business end. Like, how do you structure your business? Um, you know, he might need to figure out a new way to make videos where he kind of films something and then he shoots it to an editor and then he hires somebody to find him brand deals. Um, and they kind of take care of that. Like he might just be delegating in a way that, you know, has worked for this long, but he needs to maybe step back from certain things and let go and kind of trust other people to, um, run parts of his channel, parts of his company. Um, so I, I don't think it has to be like that. Uh, (laughs) the reverse pyramid graphics really funny there. Um, yeah, I, I think it's easier for that to happen with YouTube than maybe any other company. Um, but I don't think it has to happen like that.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, in, in our vid VidChops, right, we, we're part of that solution where we try to help it help you kind of put a team around you where, you know, with us, you can actually get, we can edit your videos, thumbnails, and upload it to YouTube, do the title, all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, for a guy like that, if he, he is, from my guess, he's doing it all himself, is my guess, because um, I don't know. I'm just guessing that. And uh, so, yeah. Anyways, that's part yeah, of the and I, I will
1: say it. You know, with a channel like his, where th- this is one thing I've kind of been struggling with too. Of like, okay, even uh, like, if and when I make my glorious return, um, if a YouTube channel does well and it starts taking off, <laughs> and you're the personality of it, mm-hmm. then everything kind of has to be run through your taste, mm-hmm. right? Like, if you aren't giving notes on something, like unless you have an editor that is amazing, um, which you might, but ultimately everything kind of has to get run through your taste. Um, So if you let it go too much, that could be hard. So um, this is, I think, why a lot of people start podcasts because it's a lot easier to just kind of talk and then let somebody edit it or to not edit it at all Um, whereas if you're making these videos that are kind of complex and there's a new idea every time, um, it's almost like every time you have to go in and give a billion notes and you know, that might be okay, but you have to be intimately involved with every step. Whereas a podcast, you can kind of just like talk into a microphone and then it's like easier to mass produce, I guess. Um, you know, they're just not, It a podcast is not as customized and something that is highly customized requires somebody with good taste to kind of, um, clean up all the edges. So totally, yeah, I, I get it.
0: Yeah. And like for a guy like that, if he was to have an editor and thumbnail designer and all that stuff, like you said, he still has to review it and, and, and do all that. So there's that part. Um, but okay. Still, still could save time, but yeah, I mean, it's just, you got to find someone that fits, right? Mm-hmm. So the last thing I wanted to bring up is not a channel, but kind of just wanted to get your reaction on this. And it's just something that's been on my mind for a while and kind of been driving me crazy. And I just wish there was a solution. And that's, and I don't know if you're like this, but I love looking at social blade. I mm-hmm. love bringing up yeah. channels on social blade, punching their username on there, seeing what, what they're doing. But recently I've been a little bit down because when you look at somebody's views, now you have no idea if they're short views on YouTube yes. shorts, or if they yes. are long form views. And so it's pretty much irrelevant now because it's not irrelevant, but it's not going to drill down and it should tell you, you know, I wonder, it, you know, have you noticed that? First of all,
1: absolutely. Uh, I mean, even looking at YouTube analytics, it's like, y- you can, separate them but it's still kind of a pain but yeah social blade they have not figured that out yet um and i think just in general short views are not worth nearly as much as long views so i i do think it's a problem i think the ecosystem the platform i mean social blade they're all still kind of adjusting to shorts mm-hmm. they're still pretty new um so i i I agree. It's a problem. And I do hope it gets solved. Um, It's hard to tell who, like how well somebody is actually doing, you know?
0: Yep. And I I don't know if it's YouTube uh, would need to add something to their API, which is kind of like their, their language that people can use to tap into their analytics. Uh, But it's definitely something that needs to happen. And I, I'm guessing like, you know, so YouTube's adding podcasts too now, right? Like, we've talked about that before. Like, what are those views? Like, what? It, it, it's kind of like a whole new conversation of like, just not all of the v- views are the same because there's just different types of content, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's going to get to the point where, I don't know. It's just, I don't know. I don't know what, what conclusion I'm trying to make out, out of all this, but I just think that a 60 minute podcast view where somebody watches all the way through. I guess they're just going to hit a bunch of mid-roll ads as they go through there. I was just going to say they need to, you know, see more ads or be worth more money to YouTube, which should, you know, generate to the creator, right? And I guess it mm-hmm. would, right? If you're using more mid-roll ads, there's more impressions, more ad impressions. Any thoughts mm-hmm. on on the different view types?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, the landscape is changing. You're right. I I feel as far as the view types, you know, a normal video is obviously like one view on a normal long video is worth significantly more. Maybe, I mean, at least 10 times more than a short view. Um, I would argue a podcast view is probably worth more than a normal video view. Um, Just because it's harder to get people to listen to a podcast like podcasts, they tend to grow slowly, you have to be really consistent with it, Um, you might end up having an exponential takeoff after doing it for a while. Um, But generally speaking, I think podcasts are very valuable. um, But they are very competitive. So if you can get somebody to listen to your podcast, I would argue that is more valuable than a normal video view. Because, um, I don't know, usually there's, like, less of a filter between you and the viewer. So, in that sense, I think it creates more of a, um, what's the word? Like, more more of, I don't want to say relationship with the viewer. Parasocial?
0: Parasocial? Yeah.
1: It's like they get to know you a bit better. Like you're not getting filtered through this highly edited video. Right. Um, It's just you talking. So in that sense, you end up creating super fans with podcasts. So I I think podcasts are probably the most valuable, um, perhaps uh, in no small part because they are harder to grow. And because the filter between you and the
0: viewer is less and the watch time possibility m- normally yes. is way longer, you know, like if someone yes. goes 60 minutes, that's pretty good. Um, yeah, I was just, you know, and kind of in preparing for today's podcast, I was just like looking at my homepage and just swiping down and like, man, like I would say 90% of the videos on my homepage are like 20 minutes or more, you know? And I, I do listen and watch podcasts a lot, I guess on YouTube, but, um, I was just like, wow, like that's different than 10 years ago. You know, like th- they really all like 18 minutes, 25 minutes, 32 minutes, hour 20, you know, I was like, geez. So anyway, it's just kind of something to keep in mind as, you know, we all know that the, it's kind of the trend or it's kind of like what the algorithm wants is these longer videos now. Anyways. Um, okay. Did you want to bring up one topic for me to react to? I think that now would be Uh, a good time, maybe.
1: Yeah, yeah. Let's do that. Um, I don't think we've talked about him before. I feel like we mentioned him. Um, But his channel is called Caleb Hammer. He has a podcast where he essentially interviews people about their personal finances and gives them advice, roasts them. (laughs) I love this guy. Um, Yeah. uh, Yeah, I I do feel like we have briefly talked about him, but I don't think we've featured him or anything. Let me – Do, do, Caleb Hammer. Here we go. So, yeah, he is just... Crushing. So, I mean, his thumbnails are hilarious. Um, You know, dropping out of college to make no money. You can see the thumbnail here. Yep. Uh, there's like fire and somebody looking disappointed, and he looks ex- exasperated. Um, and then, yeah, like immature child uh, is mooching off her mom to survive. And you know, it's it's like very harsh with the marketing, but it's also really funny. And I think people know what they're getting into um, <laughs> when they they get on this guy's show. And it's literally just him. I mean, I can click on a video here, so you know, the guest introduces themselves a little bit. Uh, it's, a, it's a financial audit. So they kind of give their background. So the first part is this person talking about themselves dropping out of college um, and then dealing with chronic illness. And then, uh, you know, him giving some advice on how this person can move forward in life, uh, kind of talking about what they do for a living. And so it, it's really interesting this isn't something i would ever think i would want to watch but i've listened to so many episodes now um because you would think a financial audit i mean holy fuck that sounds boring (laughs) um (laughs) but it's really fascinating especially i mean caleb is very to the point he doesn't mince words he is really straightforward with these people Um, about their spending habits, about their lifestyle habits. Um, And on top of that, all of this is really important. I mean, good financial hygiene, if you want to call it that. Um, I mean, it's the difference between being able to retire and not. It's the difference between potentially being homeless and not. Um, You know, it's – if you don't have good finances, then you're kind of living on the edge. So I I do feel like this podcast is a good influence. It's on a topic that – you would think would be really boring. So I think for me, like the main takeaway from this channel is that um, you can kind of take anything and make it interesting if you are actually like if you have something unique to bring to the table. You know, in Caleb's case, he is good at kind of roasting people in a way that is fair. Uh, he obviously knows a lot about like finances and being like how to be responsible with them um etc so yeah i mean augie you've clearly watched some of uh, caleb's videos like wh- what are your thoughts on him
0: uh everything you said i think was was pretty spot on i think the main thing here is that his content is entertaining because of the fact that he doesn't hold any punches right if he mm-hmm. was oh i it like first of all it's, it's kind of a taboo subject, right? Finances, personal finances, getting to know the, what these guys are spending and stuff. So that's interesting. Um, and, and then also the fact that he has, you know, he'll, his reactions will be straight to the point. And so, you know, the way that I actually found out about this guy, and I haven't watched too many of his YouTube channel videos, but his short form, I have watched a lot of, and that's how I found out about him was through short form. I think Sure. I think it was TikTok. It, it might have been. It was not Instagram Reels because it just this is not kind of Instagram real vibe to me. But it could have been YouTube Shorts as well. Uh, but I, I, I started watching all his videos on his on his. I, it must have been TikTok. Uh, and and yeah, he, he's funny. And I think if you want to learn from him, it, it's a good show format, right? We talk about you know different formats of shows. That's a good format to do almost like a podcast type interview. It's an in-person interview where he's interviewing. I guess he probably has two cameras. I'm pretty sure it's mm-hmm. multi-cam, maybe even three cameras to do like a wide shot mm-hmm. too. Uh, and then what is your niche? So you're like, for us in this podcast, we could bring YouTubers on and we could be like, you know, how are, what, what is your camera gear? Oh, I use this, this, this. And be like, what are you doing? Are you serious? <laughs> you're using your phone in the year 2023 you could have a mirrorless camera what's it, what's your budget ten thousand dollars a month I could spend oh you have plenty of money you know it's almost mm-hmm. like you're being the dad you know like that's right. kind of his mo like I'm the dad you're telling me what you're spending I'm giving you advice so I'm helping you like I'm helping this youtuber but I'm doing it in a way that's kind of funny and so there's the format right what's your niche do that exact same format with that kind of personality and that's gonna most likely create some entertaining content
1: mm-hmm. yeah absolutely and I, I think it's really interesting how, like, how much he was able to bring to the table with something that kind of already exists. I mean, obviously, like, a multicam podcast has been done many times before, but somehow he's been able to find something that a lot of people are dealing with. I think most people, um, you know, they are struggling to not spend m- so much money every month, especially nowadays, I mean, Mm -hmm. with inflation, um, and I mean, I look at my credit card bill every month and I'm like, Oh my God, how did I spend (laughs) this much money? Um, I guess I went out to eat too much, but like, was it really that much? And so this podcast is really interesting and it kind of tapped into something that I didn't know I needed. Um, and I, I do think like even that thought of looking at my credit card mill bill every month, um, you know, if I, was more like Caleb Hammer, um, I could have turned that feeling into a show, which is essentially what he did. So I, I think, yeah, the the takeaway here, um, or one of the takeaways, is that y- if you have something that is sort of exasperating in your life, um, like other people are probably dealing with it and you could potentially create a show out of it if you can figure out how to talk about it, how to market it. Um, and I, I... Think that's it's inspiring, it's fun, um, and it it
0: tells me that we're not all so different, you and I. Yep, exactly. And yeah, I just think that I, I it's, he's he's almost like reinvented Graham Stefan to me. Right? He's like mm-hmm. a little bit better graham stefan as far as the personality goes and it's because of the straightforwardness maybe um so anyways that yeah i, I think it's great i think that it, it, it's a that was a great channel to bring up and if we brought up his social blade i'm sure that he is taking off right now but the problem will be is you won't be able to tell if they're short views or long form views right yeah so anyways Ugh. no hey social blade if you're listening to this there's probably aren't But if there was any way someone wants to tag them and retweet this episode, then we would greatly appreciate it. Uh, We're going to go ahead and wrap this one up. I want to remind everybody that this episode is brought to you by VidChops.com. VidChops allows you to add an expert video editor to your team in just a few clicks, so you never have to edit again. Head over to VidChops.com to take your YouTube channel to the next level. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you guys in the next episode.
1: Later.